Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ag Innovation News Podcast, presented by the Agricultural Utilization Research Institute of Minnesota. I'm Dan Scogan, your host for the Ag Innovation News Podcast. Guests on our podcast shed light on innovations in value-added agriculture, highlight important voices and work that's being done throughout the Minnesota ag sector, and educate the public about resources and organizations that support Minnesota agriculture. On today's program, we're visiting with Tamara Nelson. Tamara is the Executive Director for the Minnesota Agri-Growth Council. Tamara, welcome to the Ag Innovation News Podcast. Thank you, Dan. Happy to be here. Great to be back with you again, Tamara, and I have a little bit of work history in the past, but Tamara, let's start for our listeners with your resume or your road that brought you to Minnesota and the Minnesota Agri-Growth Council. Sure. Well, thank you, Dan. I guess my road to agri-growth has been a longer one. I'm a Minnesota native, but I spent 34 years outside of Minnesota. I went to college out in California, worked in Washington, D.C. and Illinois in agri-food marketing, market research and trade, and also ag and food policy. So I was gone for 34 years and was pleased to bring my experience back to Minnesota and to agri-growth about five years ago. Neat also for me to work for an association that represents the entire food chain and enables me and us to advocate on behalf of the whole industry. I would guess people that are in the ag ecosystem have heard of or know a little bit about the Minnesota Agri-Growth Council, but tell us a little bit more about how it's structured, its mission, and its strategic plan. Agri-Growth was founded in 1968 as a nonprofit, nonpartisan membership organization. And its goal was to advocate on behalf of our membership, which would include the entire food chain from farmers to co-ops to processors, manufacturers, food companies, and really any industries that support our wonderful ag and food industry. So we serve as a convener and an advocate and also a thought leader where we can and attempt to create common ground solutions for everyone that will help move our food and ag industry forward. And so in terms of our mission or our structure, we have two full-time staff and a very strong team of communication, finance, event, and issue and policy managers. So while we only have two full-time staff, we have a strong team that has many more years of experience between them than our actual staff. And we have a board of 25 voting board members and two ex-officios, which always include the Minnesota Commissioner of Agriculture and the Dean of the University of Minnesota's College of Food and Agriculture and Natural Sciences, or CFANS. Those directors are elected by our membership at our annual meeting and most often consist of existing members and leaders that are very active in our industry. And anyone who looks at your membership role understands that it is a large and diverse slice of that agricultural pie. Tell me more about your members because they really come from everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah, we have approximately 150 members every year. They come from all areas of the ag and food chain that you've mentioned. We have everyone from ag input suppliers, to production agriculture, producers, as well as producer associations, to processors, marketers, shippers, to those who provide legal and public relations services, to farmers or to agribusiness, all the way up to consumer food product manufacturers. So we are uh, thrilled to have all segments of the industry represented. And of course, we also have financial institutions, lenders, whether farm credit or private banks or regional banks. And we have also many, many 
cooperatives, and small and large agribusiness, as well as university departments and institutions. So 140 plus members, 25 board members. So now Hugh is the executive director have to shepherd all of those different interests, business models and strategic imperatives. What's your approach as the executive director? I'm kind of a big picture person. So I always try to think in the back of my mind, strategically and how to best position our entire industry for long-term success. Because I feel like if you think about that, you're representing your membership. And that goal is really how do we remain competitive in an ever-changing marketplace? Because that really requires kind of constant focused monitoring of our operating environment, as well as our market opportunities. And I feel like in order to maintain agriculture and foods, access to technology, to innovation, to talent, and other tools that our industry really needs. You have to have a consistent effort. But all of those things are needed for us to be competitive. So it's it's quite a basket of work, but if you just kind of keep your eye on the ball of the long-term vision is we need to best position our industry for long-term success. We're not going to live long-term on every single gain in the short term. Sometimes you have to give something up to get something better later. And of course, that all falls into that policy basket as you try to enhance and protect agriculture at all those different entities. But as a nonprofit, nonpartisan association, how does AgriGrowth tackle those important and sometimes sensitive issues at the legislature? That's a great question. We're fortunate in that AgriGrowth has a proud history of being a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization. We have a good track record of working on both sides of the aisles. But most of our members, many of our members, and especially our association members, also play a key role, and they provide needed input and assistance and work as we continue to pursue our priority issues. And they enable us, along with our board and our membership, to maintain the kinds of relationships or coalitions that we might need to be effective advocates. So I'm going to ask you just a little bit about the last legislative session because there's always more work to be done. Was Minnesota Agri-Growth Council pretty pleased with the last session just completed in May? Yeah, you know, it was hard, even though it wasn't any longer than usual. It was very fast and furious. We had some really early initiatives that we were very pleased finally got passed after 10 years, the driver's license for all bill. That is one that can be misnamed and misrepresented, but inevitably it means that our workers in our industry can get to work and they can be insured, they can be safe drivers, and they can get to work with a driver's license, which is terrific. I think in addition to that, we were happy to see a lot of the investment in innovation in our state, like the various and sundry members that received money or funds or grants for innovations, whether it was AURI with the support for their labs in Waseca, Marshall, and Crookston, or whether it was the opportunities presented by the Biomade initiative. And then, of course, the Ag Innovation Campus, which had its grand opening in September That's a great final culmination for a lot of agricultural innovations and also the fostering of new or novel products that our state can produce out of our existing commodities. Tamara, I want to talk to you a little bit more about membership, and I also want to make sure we talk about your Food and Egg Summit that's coming up. But let's go back to membership for just a bit. Are members coming to you or is Minnesota Agri-Growth Council pretty active in recruitment process? 
We actually do have members that just come to us. Oftentimes that's because of our reputation or they get a word of mouth referral. Someone says to them, oh, you're trying to find clients in this X area of agriculture. You should become a member of AgriGrowth. Other times they hear from someone that they're not happy with maybe family medical leave requirements on employers last year made some people wring their hands and bang their heads against the wall, especially small employers. That would be the time when many of our members would have said, you should join an organization like AgriGrowth to feel like you're having a voice. And so we appreciate those that come to us. And we also work really hard to maintain our own membership base. Every organization changes in size and number of employee representatives. And so we found that every once in a while we'll lose a member and it takes a few years to get them back. And I think primarily keeping members engaged and providing good value is really what keeps our solid 139 or so that are constant members. We really appreciate. But we also need to broaden our membership base because some of those voices and industry sectors that we can bring in will be great in strengthening our advocacy in the future. So in your opinion, who should be thinking about coming to AgriGrowth? Any of the mid to larger companies or associations that do business in Minnesota in our ag and food sector or who depend on the success of our agri-food system in Minnesota, they should join AgriGrowth. Absolutely. They will find a lot of value. We provide the best networking opportunities for those type of organizations and really some great chances to work together with like-minded voices on common priorities. And of course, small companies or individuals same thing applies, much lower membership level, but absolutely gives them access to all of these great companies here in Minnesota or that work in Minnesota. And of course, everybody's busy, but what kind of commitments should a prospective member be thinking about or be ready to prepare for? A lot of times people used to say, well, membership is what you make of it. And I always wondered what that really meant till I had professional memberships of my own. You know, for agri-growth, if it's an organizational membership, I think the main member contact really needs to be able to identify at least two colleagues in his or her organization. That'll be on our regular communications lists along with the, the main member contact. That really helps the organization that's the member get value because oftentimes if one person can't attend, the other does. Or maybe you have an employee that works in business development and one that works in public policy and then one that works in human resources. Well, we have programs across those three areas. So it's important that two or three people at each organization are members and remain active. And then also, I think it's important that companies engage. I know we sit in an office suite, the Minnesota Chamber of Commerce. We work closely with the Fargo-Moorhead Chamber. And a lot of us were comparing notes this past session, and we weren't hearing from our members. We were telling folks what was coming, what was going to happen, and what we needed to hear from them on, and we weren't hearing back. But we certainly heard about it after the legislation passed that was not liked. And so I think the importance of engaging each legislative session is really important. And maybe the importance of engagement might fall in another area, whether it's cybersecurity or attracting talent or working on PFAS. All the organization needs to do is engage and we can let them know, are we working on that? If not, who is? And so that's a really important thing, not being afraid to ask and being engaged. You've got a great event coming up, the uh, annual Food and Egg Summit, and we want to talk about that. But I want to remind our listeners that they're listening to the Egg Utilization Research Institute's Egg Innovation News Podcast. And we're talking today with Tamara Nelson. Tamara is the Executive Director for the Minnesota Agri-Growth Council. 
And Tamara, let's go right to the summit. I know your annual food and egg summit is coming up November 9th in the Twin Cities. So give me some background and maybe a little history on that annual event. I don't know if you're aware, but this is actually our 55th annual meeting. So we are 55 years old this year. It always started just as the Minnesota Agri-Growth's annual meeting was renamed Minnesota Ag and Food Summit about six years ago. And what started as a, a night before dinner, an annual meeting the next day with some speakers has now turned into a pretty much a one-day event. This year it's on November 9th. But we still have a night before reception, November 8th this year at Brit's Pub as usual. And then we have a wrap-up reception after the summit on November 9th. So kind of a full 24 hours of fun. But importantly, we feel this is Minnesota's premier agri-food event. And it attracts leaders from across our state, industry, and nation. So truly an opportunity for anyone in the professional ag area, all the way from leadership on down to young professionals to participate. I need to ask you what's on the agenda because you always have a great program. The overall message this year, and this came from our program committee, is really that, you know, the agriculture and food sector is absolutely essential when you think about issues, whether it's it's global food and energy security or whether it's addressing or mitigating climate change. Agriculture and food is really the answer. Our industry is really the answer and can provide so many solutions, whether it's on providing food, fuel, fiber but also in addressing concerns related to climate. And so the key element to that is that agriculture and food does that best if and when and because we have access to new and existing technologies, because we have the ability to develop and hire and retain our employees. And if we don't have technology and we don't have talent, our industry cannot be sustainable and it cannot be competitive in our state or in our nation or in the world. And so oftentimes when one thinks about regulations or regulatory ideas or laws, if they're affecting our ability to get talent or technology to our industry so that we can stay competitive, then they would be harming agriculture and food. So we're, we're starting with that premise and then we have some really neat speakers. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, and I don't know if you have it in front of you, but you always bring a few movers and shakers from the ag ecosystem. Who are you planning to bring to the stage this year? This year, we're kicking off with Jacob Shapiro from Cognitive Investments. Jacob is a former colleague of Peter Zion's. I know a lot of our past summit attendees have heard Peter Zion, who's a, a geopolitical strategist. Jacob does a wonderful job, and he will be kicking us off to talk about some of those big picture trends and even the short and long-term things that are going on in our world and how those will impact ag and food and, and probably society, politics, and economics. We also then have a really neat session on global food and energy security and climate change. And we have two panelists or discussants from Cargill and Syngenta really talking about how and why agriculture and food are growing in the ability to be sustainably producing food and energy, which is great. And then we have a really nifty panel on ag talent because it's such an important and critical element to our industry. And it's not all HR professionals telling you how to attract or retain talent or not the academic institutions telling you how they're training the talent. We actually have a, an FFA officer, professional ag students officer. So we got high school, college, young professional from Schwann's, and then a seasoned ag and food professional from Bremer Bank. 
and they are going to be moderated by a young lady from agcareers.com to really get into what is it that brought you into this industry and why is it exciting for you and how have you seen technology change and really provide some thoughtful discussion to our attendees and others and maybe to young professionals about our industry. And then we'll have our Distinguished Service Award at lunch, and Commissioner Tom Peterson from the Department of Ag will speak about the state of our agriculture and ag exports and trade, and he'll be followed by our new Canadian Consul General, Beth Richardson, who will talk about our unique partnership between Canada and the U.S., Canada and Mexico, and our great trading relationship. And then the afternoon session, we've got our panel on startups and innovation, led by two moderators from CHS and Gromark Cooperatives. And then we end with a new session that's an interactive ag chat, and that will be a very dynamic interactive session where folks will move to another table and talk about an issue that's important to them. So you get a chance, just for our listeners, they should understand, you get a chance to hear all that programming. And then when you take your breaks, you can actually go up and talk to these people who are just on the stage. And then the network opportunities are unbelievable with the other people that are in the room. I mean, it's just a great day of gathering as much knowledge as you want and making some connections. You're right. And we have the exhibitors in the back, Dan. You're right. They are actually in the same ballroom. There's a you know, pre-session lunch or pre-conference lunch. There's a morning of breakfast. Before we start, there is exhibit break for and after our luncheon. And then at the end of the day, we're having that interactive chat session. And so if somebody is interested in water quality or maybe they're interested in how do you attract talent, they're going to be able to go to a table where there's a leader and a group of people that want to share their thoughts on that. If they're worried about managing an issue like water quality, they can go to that table and they're going to have a formative discussion and then provide some feedback up to the stage. So we think that'll be a really neat way for people to network and interact. And you need to know who's coming. So how do they attend? When do they attend and how do they get registered? One can register just for the night before reception, for example, if their time is limited. They can register for the full day or they can register for all of the above. And they just go to our website, which is agrigrowth.org, and then either forward slash events or pick up that events tab in the upper right-hand corner. And there's a drop down for the Ag and Food Summit. And if they're a member organization, they register as a member. If they're not, we welcome them as well. They just register as a non-member. If they've never been and their organization wants to meet people in the industry and sell their ideas or their services, they can get an exhibit booth in the back and also sit in and listen to all the sessions. So it's a great opportunity. It's coming up again on the 9th of November. It is. 9th of November, it's a Thursday, and the night before event is Wednesday evening at Brit's Pub. The day of, we're at the Minneapolis Convention Center in ballrooms A and B. Tamara, as we get near the end of our visit today, I want to go back to Minnesota AgriGrowth. Can you share with us anything that the organization is working on that excites you or excites your board members right now? And what does the near future look like for the association? One of the most interesting things I feel like we're working on is we do have a a lot of coalitions we work in. We have one that's working to improve the ag talent pipeline in our state. It's called the Minnesota Ag Talent and Workforce Coalition, and it involves about a dozen associations and organizations. I know that AURI and others who are not specific members have been engaged in supporting that. And what's really exciting as one of our most recent initiatives is that group is supporting and encouraging, and we believe we have cinched agcareers.com company that helps many, many agricultural companies find their talent. They are going to hold their annual roundtable here late next summer in Minneapolis-St. Paul. 
which will be great for those HR professionals and others trying to find their best talent strategies. And I think that's terrific. I think the other work that we're doing that's pretty exciting is we had a strategic planning process a couple of years ago. We identified some priority areas, and a couple of them are really in the realm of being the ones who help develop the future leaders for our industry and also ensuring that our membership and leadership are diverse and broad enough to represent our industry in a way that we can be successful advocates as our industry sector shifts and as politics and leadership changes. So that kind of is exciting because I think it was 34, 35 years ago when I was one of the only women sitting in a room around the world in trade negotiations or agricultural markets. And now there's probably 50% of the employees in ag and food are women. And now we're diversifying to include not only people from other countries, but also different ethnicities, different ethnic groups in terms of food choices and uh, opportunities, and also different innovations and startups. And so broadening our voice in order to meet the future advocacy needs, I think is really exciting and interesting. And we're learning so much from those new members that we're bringing in. AgriGrowth, for example, now has three vegetable and fruit production members. That's probably as many as we've had in our history, and we have just got them in the last two years. So it's things like that that I think will really enable us to be better advocates in the future. So as you watch the organization or the association do its work, Tamara, Do you feel that Minnesota AgriGrowth is solving problems or are they bringing like-minded people together to have that conversation? I think we're doing both. We're bringing people together and we're solving problems. And I think sometimes it's a chicken and egg question. Sometimes you have to identify the problem. And when you see that the problem might be lack of understanding of agriculture and food, maybe in a metro area, Well, then you not only work to get people in the metro area that are knowledgeable about your system, but you also get people who look like or represent the people in the various areas to sit down together at a table and come up with sound solutions. So it's an ongoing dynamic process. It's very community, as you know. We're all in this together, and we're all better and stronger with a broader view and probably a broader point of view. But we fundamentally, in ag and food, we have to make sure that our industry continues to rely on science and data because there's a lot of passion and emotion that surrounds food. But if it's not safe, if it's not secure, if we can't sustain that kind of production, or if something is passed that is ignoring all past facts and history of production ag, that is not good. That's not good for our citizens. It's not good for the people who can at least afford the food. I think you gave it while you were talking about the Food and Ag Summit, but if people want to learn more about AgriGrowth as an organization or the Ag and Food Summit, what's that web address again? www.agrigrowth.org. And then there will be drop-down opportunities for you to participate in some way. There's membership, there's events, there's other tabs, and if someone scrolls all the way to the bottom of the page, there's even a corner on the Ag Talent Project. And then lastly, I just want your thoughts, Tamara, as we wrap things up today on the association, the Food and Egg Summit, or anything else that you want to leave our listeners with today. Well, I will say one of my members recently asked me if there were other states that had agribusiness councils, and I couldn't find the big long list that I made a couple months ago, but I put a list for them together, and it's very interesting. There's probably 16 other states in our nation that have an agribusiness council. They're all a little bit different, but it shows again, and many of them started many years ago, it shows that element where we're not a farm group of farmers who came together that maybe created the Farm Bureau or the Corn Growers or Soy Association 
but it's a group of like-minded individuals who said, hey, we're all working in this same industry area. It's an essential area, and we have to make sure that we are working together to advocate for the best policies and to share the good information with consumers and the media about our industry. And so it warmed my heart to see all those ag councils that exist around our state. And other than that, I will just say that we appreciate so much the work that AURI and so many of our other members do because no one can do it all. And it's kind of like it takes a village here in Minnesota, but we all work very well together. Tamara Nelson, thanks for your time today. Happy to, Dan. Keep up the good work. We've been visiting with Tamara Nelson. She is the executive director of the Minnesota Agri-Growth Council. I want to thank her for joining us today and thank you for listening to the Ag Innovation News Podcast presented by the Agricultural Utilization Research Institute of Minnesota. Thanks to my podcast crew of one, Lisa Martinez, AURI Communications Coordinator and Editor of this production. Now to learn more about AURI, go to auri.org.